0: With occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Tassinari King. Today I'm delighted to have with me and trainer Domang, I believe we're saying that correctly after some tutelage, <laughs> from <laughs> Goffstown, New Hampshire welcome thank you for having me thank you for being on yes you're welcome this is exciting it's so exciting for me because <laughs> i've seen your work at the kennedy gallery for a number oh. of years and um long before i started the podcast i i just uh, have always wanted to catch you on one of the openings and never quite managed to you know mm-hmm. line it up and right but right. um i do i do love your work how would you describe your work um, I
1: started a, a few years ago using a tagline. Um, I have a background in marketing and advertising, that kind of thing. So I thought, you know, I, I could probably position myself and that would be a little helpful for me to do that. So yeah. I call it messy, uncommon, friendly, contemporary art.
0: So oh, perfect.
1: I was trying to describe a little bit about myself and a little bit about my art approach um, by picking those words and and it seems to have resonated with people. They enjoy it. I used to do some outdoor shows and they're like, Oh, I like that. I'm like, Oh, okay, well maybe I should keep that for a while anyway. So now I've kept it for the past seven years and yeah, I'll probably hang on to it.
0: So very, very fitting. Yeah. So So um you work in I see acrylic and watercolor mm-hmm. and then a few things say mixed media. Right. So right. Kind
1: of- primarily I Settled into acrylic. Um, mm-hmm. One reason was that I had uh, have a small studio, so I don't really have enough space to keep too many mediums going at once. Mm-hmm. So, and I used to do oil plein air, and that's um, a bit of a an issue to if I have paint on me, I'm not really sure if it's oil or acrylic. (laughs) So how do I get it off? Because I'm not really sure. So anyway, it's a small side story there. But um, I just liked um, the fact that uh, acrylic was water-based. And my other favorite medium is watercolor. And I've incorporated um, ink into that. So I just wanted to make it a water-based medium, um, mm-hmm. despite what the art world at large may not still appreciate um, acrylic as a as a worthy medium, <laughs> um, yeah. I still um, use it, and I really enjoy the 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 way that um, acrylic works. It suits my style of working.
0: Right, right. Well, it is very beautiful. So, give me a little background about uh, where you grew up and your earliest dabblings (laughs) that you remember. (laughs) Right,
1: right. I uh, was born in Fall River, Massachusetts and lived in Swansea, Massachusetts for most of my childhood for the first 12 years. My parents, I'm one of nine kids. I'm the second oldest of nine. Wow. So there was a lot of activity and a lot of stuff always going on. And my mother would set us up at the kitchen table. And we each got a little baby food, a little glass baby food jar of water and a little brush. Wow. And you got to do watercolors in a, in a coloring book or plain old paper or whatever was around. So I seem to be the one that enjoyed it the most, I think. Some of my siblings might disagree, but it was just kind of fascinating. And um, that was one of the first things. And then I tell a little story about my other experience with art as a little kid. So we're in our little playroom, it was called had a big box of crayons, and I laid a few on the radiator. Oh, oh, and they melted down the radiator. It was fascinating. My mother didn't think so. (laughs) But uh, we all thought it was pretty fun. And so uh, that was my first encaustic. (laughs) (laughs) And probably my last because encaustic was just too much stuff for me to really get engaged with. Like, okay, I love it. I like it, but it's not not something I actually want to do, so yeah. I gave it a pass, but but that was it. Um, did a little bit of some little child um, art class or two at a local little program, and oh. then pretty much was on my own really after that, was just elementary school, right. um, not too much art involved there, middle school, there was some, but not a lot, and uh, when I got to high school, I had a pretty good art experience and by then I just knew I wanted to be an artist I was sort of that that little kid that's like oh she's an artist I'm like oh I guess I'm an artist I'm going to be an artist you know (laughs) so that was that yeah yeah so then I went to uh, Rhode Island College in Providence and uh, had a degree in studio art painting concentration Mm -hmm. but no idea of how to make a living as an artist right big faux pas, big problem. Um, But I did in the meantime, while I was at college, I discovered graphic design through a work study job um, in the publications office at Rhode Island College. And from there, you know, the people there were like, oh, you can draw. I'm like, yes. And then from there, I just learned, you know, about the fascinating world of typography and, and design and advertising and advertising concepts even. And All of that just really came together. So I stayed in that for close to 30 years as a graphic designer an art director, concept development person, logo
0: designer, which was one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I did a bit of that. As well, And I remember I was probably 15 and just in awe of her ability to, to create these amazing logos out of her head.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fun process. I mean, it's very artistic if you allow it to be. Um, it can be a very artistic uh, thing to do. So I wound up being in an advertising agency. Um, I believe I was one of the only people that actually was an art major. So, other people came at it from a different point of view, either technology or writers. um, And I was the one that was kind of adding that art aesthetic into things and thinking in a different way to solve problems, too. So, that was all what I think I do daily and minute by minute in my studio when I'm working on something. You're juggling so many aspects of being an artist and a painter, and materials and time and evaporation or you know I mean there's so many elements to it so I think I really got used to having to do that and certainly on a schedule in an advertising world it, it must be done there is a time when it's finished because the newspaper's waiting the media is waiting you know so you don't have the luxury of too too much
0: time so. yeah and I find that the art I do interview a lot of artists who have that similar background mm-hmm. and you know they've expressed that that was just a great training ground for that was their marketing for their now flourishing right. Their business
1: right mm-hmm. right and that is the, the, the reason line. that i felt i had a little confidence to move from that industry to try to get into this myself um, as an individual artist and try my hand um, i've enjoyed going to outdoor art shows you know, and and just the the fun and the beauty and the variety and and stuff in that. And I wanted to see if I could do that too. You know, I kept telling myself you go through those things like, Oh, I could, I could do something like that. But the problem is, do you do that? Like, no. Right. So it took me quite some time to um, you know, to figure out that, you know, I think you're good enough to give this a whirl. So, you know, we, figured out our household as far as work and income and all of that and and just um, looked at things really if you don't do it now when are you going to do it and that kind of thinking came about right around um the 9 11 time in 2001 so some really serious conversations about wow what are we doing you know like Mm -hmm. how you know if i'm ever going to do this maybe this is that that time to really see what happens give it a shot so
0: Right. So what mediums were you using in college and and how did they develop as you went along? Were you still painting while you were in the graphic arts business? Were you doing any painting on your own?
1: Yeah, I was doing some things side by side um, because it was a hobby for me Mm -hmm. at that point. It was like, so what did you do this weekend? Well, I painted this and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and that's um, I just carved out time, and it turned out that weekend, like a Sunday afternoon from noon to five, that was my time. You know, my husband knew it's like where are you going? I was like, I think you know, and uh, and then I'm gone to my little studio for the next uh, five hours or so, and uh, and that just one thing evolved to the next, and um, before you know it, I had accumulated a a good amount of work and stuff so and I was able to show a couple of galleries and they really liked it small started small initially you know small sized pieces and stuff yeah and um and then it just went from
0: there and were you doing watercolors at that time? Oh, I was
1: doing, yeah, definitely doing watercolor, watercolor and ink, sometimes just black and white um, ink drawings. Uh, right. Also had carried over my oil paint from college days and stuff. So I was still painting in oil. Okay. Um, and then I was toying with acrylic and, and stuff. And at some point made that transition over. Right.
0: So Right. Yeah. So before we go to talking, you were saying that, you know, making that transition was um, primarily for ease of use. Am I right?
1: In the studio from acrylic or from oil to
0: Yeah, definitely. It was
1: just too many mediums to, to handle. Um, I'm, my studio space is 14 by 16 feet um, and it just does not have a lot of area um, to store things. Uh, so I really just needed to make a decision of putting the oils away despite what the art world thought about you know that acrylic is I mean that oil is actually the major um, medium Um, and I just didn't I just couldn't stick with that I'm like I'm going to make a go of this and honestly people don't care what the medium is that I use on the people who buy my work and live with it it just does not matter to them because it's really more about the imagery and um
0: so i've been, yeah. I've been
1: happy that i made that transition it, it worked very well i donated all my um oil supplies and stuff to the local high school art um, <laughs> teacher so i'm sure there was a lot of kids over there that were like thought it was
0: christmas you know yeah, oh, wonderful. yeah. wow so how did your style develop i know you have a lot of um on your website you mentioned a lot of prominent influences Mm -hmm. artists Um, yeah
1: boy it's really hard to say how it developed so i'm probably like most people like you find a painter or an artist in the world that really you gravitated toward for one reason or another you're not really sure but you start to make a little deeper dive into what they do and how they do it. And then you just try it. And it's not that you're copying or you want to be an annoying person that copies somebody else's work all the time and puts it out there for sale. It's like, okay, that's not what we're doing, you know. Um, So I, you know, I tried different things like Andrew Wyatt was just a magnificent drawer and draftsman. And I was pretty fascinated how he could just draw so beautifully and you didn't, he didn't even have to paint. You know, like to me, like the drawings were, wow, that's really just spectacular and values and line quality and looseness and everything about it. Um, And then I looked at his paintings a little further too, and it had this nostalgic feeling about it as well. And that's something that really resonated with me. I think that was under the radar for me. I wasn't acknowledging that that's actually what I was responding to. Mm -hmm. um so besides his technique it was how he did and what he selected to do like that just gorgeous lineup of simple little seashells on a wooden shelf you know but i know his wife had a lot to do with the placement of objects and and things that were set up uh, in a way but i mean so if it's a if it's a companion uh, assistant, um, but it still resonates with you as an artist, it's like, well, then you go for it. And that's apparently what he did. So, but those kinds of things were really um, powerful for me to see. Um, And that was one of the reasons that I enjoy using watercolor out of, out of the gate too. Mm -hmm. Another thing was that it was, it was actually a a rebel move believe it or not um, because watercolor in my college setting was kind of poo-pooed it was oh. not exactly oh. an acceptable <laughs> mm. but there was a <laughs> there was a community um, art program that was held in our art space at the college and it was like a once a week I don't know who the painter was but it was a watercolor painter and I would go in to do my studio work at nighttime and there's this whole group of people you know over his shoulder looking at what he did I'm like wow that's really beautiful so I had to keep that to myself and and then later on I was able to to dive into that because um, mm-hmm. watercolor was sort of the secondary mm-hmm. medium for amateurs, so which yeah. is really sad, but um, I think it is terribly sad
0: because, yeah, <laughs> which I is now why I'm, I'm part
1: England. of New England Watercolor Society, yeah, um, because I of that. About. Because if I had to only pick
0: one medium, it would be that. Wow, um, so it's extremely challenging. I mean, I just think, yeah, you know, <laughs> really be masterful and know yeah. what you're doing with water you can fudge around with oils a bit. I don't, I'm not sure about acrylic. But. <laughs> the
1: acrylic kind of stays put. Yeah. Um, water It's sort of like having a cat, like they have a life of their own. They have, they know what they're going to do. And so if you want to control me, you, you better go get that cat toy thing. Cause I'm going to ignore you. So I probably sound like I have a cat, but I don't. And I'm not really a fan of cats But I see. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of watercolor. You really have to, let it be and do what it wants to do so you can control it and work with it in a certain way if if you're work hard enough at it and really pay attention you can you can uh, learn watercolor and understand how it wants to work there's a lot to it
0: yeah yeah
1: the paper options and then right the colors the the way it all behaves on different papers it's a lot
0: (laughs) it is a lot Yeah. yeah What what brands do you do you use? And um, I noticed that you do work on different types of supports. I see cradle board and canvas, and yeah, um, and then of course the watercolor paper. The
1: brands for um, watercolor, I like to stick with a classic brand, so Winsor Newton. I I do like, although there's a very good uh, line of Cheap Joe's American watercolors. That's a, a really good. I find a good quality um, uh, watercolor. Um, Paper, I do vary in the paper, but I do like a Fabriano um, brand. Uh, It's called Fabriano Artistico. So, and it comes with the different surfaces, the hot press, the cold, the rough. So, and I, I do like going back and forth with all those surfaces. I don't have a, a special one surface only. I, I like the variety. I like watching uh, the paint do different things um, mm-hmm. on the paper. I do a lot of ink preparation drawings too. Um, these kind of inks are very interesting to me. Um, you put them down wet on the paper. You, the paper can be wet or dry. You can spritz it with a little water after, and then it all feathers out in really an interesting way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I, I just like watching these mediums do their thing. And then I'll do a mixed media piece, and I'll add um, some pastel. I'll add Caran Darsh crayons, the ones that are uh, water-soluble. um, so I, I just really enjoy mixing medias too that means that generally my work would be on paper um, and I'm not a fan of having to frame my work <laughs> wow. so uh, I have a, a rather good stack of watercolors and small little watercolors and stuff and like oh, I'll get to framing that or doing something with that someday so yeah. I'm trying to let myself go ahead and get some of these framed and stuff it was always the cost of having that and the space to store it um, if it didn't find a forever home. (laughs) Right. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Now, do you work with any of your galleries and just sell them unframed?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Yeah. I have one gallery in particular, so that's Kennedy Gallery in Portsmouth, and they um, have the means to to hold um, several of my works on paper, and they, of course, they're a frame shop, so... Yeah. Um, It's really great for them, and they get to select a really nice frame with the customer, and it it all works out, yeah, really well.
0: Nice. Yeah. So let's talk about your process um, and how, you know, how you get started on a painting. Where does your inspiration come from? Are you out doing plein air work and sketches and such and photos, or how does it all come together? Yeah.
1: I don't do too much in the way of plein air work. I used to do more plein air. So obviously there's a lot to learn direct from life. um, And that's really the only way to do it. If you're a landscape painter, you really want to educate yourself on the atmospheric qualities that you want to capture. If you're doing a high realism or semi real image of a landscape. So I did a lot of that work at the outset. And then I, um, was a little more interested in the the graphic design of the landscape more about um, a kind of a fan of a flattened landscape without the atmospheric depth more from a graphics point of view and solid color areas and that kind of thing, um, were very attractive to me. So I started a simplification process of the landscape. So instead of putting every single petal and, and piece of pollen on a flower, I just wanted to put a swish of yellow down or something and say, okay, so that's the flowers, you know, <laughs> and and not be um, quite so wrapped up in, in the detail because you have no time for that outdoors anyway. Uh, the detail gets, sacrificed in a certain way for the broader picture and I think um, part of why that evolved was again my graphic design background of and also I was um, a logo designer I I did a lot of preliminaries and a lot of um, design and drawing work for that and that's a forced simplification of the brand that you're working with the Mm -hmm. product might be needing a shape or something might be needed to be part of this logo design so everything needed to be whittled down to its essence or its gist and that was something that was fascinating to me so in in order to save time in those logo design um processes you had to find the the nut of the matter as soon as possible and then get working then on the iterations of that and not spend too too much time on just trying to find the core and then uh jumping off so it was a fun uh it was a fun process to to work in so now i took some of those ideas of design and stuff and brought that into my work so now my work consistently has this sort of um compressed sense of space I'll use color if I want to push it back, and you know some cooler colors in the background if I want that shape to go backwards, or warm it up a bit and, and bring something else forward. So that's a, a really a direct correlation. And I think I'm not answering your question, but I'll answer it now. So I work in sketchbooks. I do a ton of sketchbook work. Um, it's uh, a holdover from college. We did a road trip once down to New York City from Providence, and the instructor said, Everybody's got to have a sketchbook. I'm like, okay. Uh, we had sketchbooks at the time, but this was, he wanted to see it in your hands. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so on the train, you know, you're sketching out the window, you're, you're trying to do these things, and that was a bit of an issue because you're in public then even though your friends are like sitting next to you in the seat is like, but it's still different to have to put your thoughts down in front of others. Yeah. Um, but a sketchbook luckily has nice covers so you can close it and, <laughs> and that's mine and walk away and you don't have to present it, you know, but um, and so ever since then um, I tried to keep a sketchbook. There was a period of time with family and life and all of that. I just, I left it aside, but I always knew that that's, I was supposed to be doing that you know I'm supposed yeah. to be an artist I'm supposed to you know and besides that it was just something that I really enjoyed doing just exploring a lot of different design ideas and that's how my current work of the series that I'm working on now with this relationships of this fisherman and his girl idea uh, that's, uh was absolutely came from sketchbook work and trying to figure out how to incorporate figures into my work. Mm -hmm. I had done a lot of landscape and uh, work and detail kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but all along the way, I've always wanted to figure out how can I incorporate figures into my work in the landscape? And um, that's what happened. And I figured out a simplified kind of system or arrangement uh, for Mm -hmm. myself. And uh, that's, that's where this now I have a quite a few pieces all all involved in this relationship series now. So
0: Yeah, they're they're beautiful. You've got the watercolors going, you've got the um, the smaller pieces, the big pieces. Yeah. And I, I have to comment about your website. It is so organized. <laughs> oh. Wow. Oh. You sound surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but by that I mean. Every painting is listed as w- its location, you know, what yes. gallery it's yeah. at right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, I think, wow. Yeah,
1: the interesting part about that was I needed to have some sort of a system of keeping track of my work. Yeah. The funny part was that I thought everybody did that. Ah. That's, turns out that that's not true. <laughs> um, so, so some of the the need for some amount of organization yeah. was what led me to figure out how to organize my work. So I started with a spreadsheet like you know, Excel spreadsheet sheet, as simple as simple as possible. There was no micros on there. There was no add-ons. There was no like, well, if you sell this for that and the percentage and that's like, no, yeah. Yeah. I just need the name and the size and the medium. And you know when I did it and but I've assigned every single painting, an inventory number. And once it got too unwieldy for me to do that in Excel, I started looking around for a software for inventory control. Mm-hmm. And that led me to a program that has been designed by um, a company in Arizona called, uh, well, the gallery is called Xanadu Gallery. Oh, sure. I interviewed and, Jason. Horowitz. Okay. And okay. so either he or someone closely connected with him, and I think it was him, developed this inventory control program. Okay. And then what they did was integrate it into a very limited website design. So when I assign my artwork its name and its inventory number, it goes directly into one of my galleries on my website. Okay. So in that part of their program is called Art Sala. So the website itself isn't as um, designy and stuff as a lot of other website management companies out there. But this one, the beauty of it is for me anyway, and the time saving thing is that I can do all my inventory. I write about every painting when I post it in there. I may not do that on every single little watercolor that I do, but on the larger pieces, I write a blurb in there. And then that shows up with my painting. So it gives people a little sense of where I'm coming from yeah. when I did that piece, but leaving enough, enough room for them to have a feeling that their own sense is also, it's an authentic way to feel about it. you know. Just mm-hmm. because I wrote it this way, but if you feel another way, far yeah. be it from me to interfere. You know, with how you think about it. Um, Yeah, yeah. So So, that's really interesting because it's a real time saver for me. to do it. I've never seen
0: that before. So that was a real eye-opener as far as... Yeah,
1: so you can set that up. And I have uh, different galleries. I have, um, my work is in at least six galleries that I provide work to. And it all rotates in and out during the course of a year. Yeah. Um, and on my website, I try to keep it updated, uh, so that if it says it's at Portland Art Gallery in Maine, it's at Portland Art Gallery in Maine. Right, and they have a wonderful outreach of social media, and have even pushed farther forward through this whole COVID mess, yeah. and uh, really created a quite a substantial um, outreach um, through social media and virtual openings which I'll be doing with them next week. I have an opening on Thursday at Portland Art Gallery.
0: Right. Uh, Yes I saw that. So I do want to talk about you have another show after that too. Um, But can I ask about so I did notice at the Portland Art Gallery you have one one of my favorites of your paintings the best part of my day. It's a large painting and um, I noticed it was at two galleries. I saw two images and so I looked and one was on cradle board, and one was on canvas. Did you paint it twice?
1: Sometimes I do do that if one, uh, sometimes it's a mistake on my website okay. or <laughs> like it may, I don't know if it's at both. So is that the painting that you're talking about is the best yeah. part of my day?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that should be at only one location. Yeah, um, but yes, I do do things more than once. Usually, it's on request. Yeah. Um, if someone likes the painting, but it's thirty-six square, but they can only fit a thirty-inch, I'll redo that. Mm. Um, and it's at no obligation to them. If you know, if they don't care for the second version, sort of the way it came out, some people, some paintings, it's just impossible yeah. to redo. It just, I mean, I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that because right. people ask and I'm like, I can't promise you because I exactly, that's how I feel. I don't know yeah. how it happens.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that happens to a lot of people and that's why, you know, people would say, no, I can't do that again. I, it just, it just happened. It just came out the, yeah. you know, the muses and the gods were looking over my shoulder and said, you need to go over there. You need to put that color in. So right. I do. And, And that's it. It's
0: not like a recipe that you can recreate and get, you know, a standardized drink, a latte or something at Starbucks. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, that's really hard to do. I've had pretty good luck, though, with if I do do another one and someone is interested in it, that's great. Recently, I had that happen. I made another piece slightly smaller and the person did not come back and, Mm -hmm. and make the purchase. So I thought, oh, okay two weeks later somebody else walks in and purchases it so like that,
0: that's okay <laughs> right, right and how do you name your paintings i always find this to be one of the most difficult things
1: yeah i've had a little um easier time of it with this relationship series that i'm working on because i'm trying to have a a little bit of a sentimental sensibility about the piece, so this relationship with the fisherman and the girl, I sometimes have it be a little ambiguous as to like who's giving who the gift of something or Mm -hmm. what they actually might be thinking. And um, it's, I think it was Brian Rutenberg's book. Do you know him as a painter out of New Mm -hmm. York City? Uh, Really worth looking at, I mean, he's really, quite amazing and he made a little statement in his book Um, I have it up in my studio space uh, but it's more he was recommending that you think more about for naming it what you'd like the person viewing it to to get out of it Mm. sort of so the painting that you just mentioned before the best part of my day that I could have said you know woman in the doorway as the title or yes. you know fisherman arriving home you know like <laughs> right. okay and then but it was more about the best part of my day being you know when i see this person you know within view and that's the most meaningful person in your life
0: right.
1: that's when they're there that's the kind of thing that i some paintings direct me to the title during it sometimes it's after it it's almost never before it unless I've worked out something in my sketchbook and I made a little scribbly note and go okay this is I can I can get this one I I don't have to sweat the title after or I don't really sweat them I suppose they they kind of come to me fairly fairly readily
0: and um, you, you're starting a new series, I see, the Village Series. Is that, that recent? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, had a bit of a beginning quite a while ago. I've always uh, thought these little rustic fish houses and stuff yeah. by the shoreline were just so interesting, just these little stalwart little shapes that just stay there year and season and storms and you just tack a few more boards up and they're good to go. You know, I, I'm just kind of fascinated by, you know, weather worn things and surfaces and right. the grays and, you know, salt wash things that just, you know, speaks of, you know, a, a length of time, but there's something still, um, still there, um, Even though something might have been buffeted and beaten around and stuff. I I just kind of like that concept. So I like to use some scruffiness in my paint applications to, to just give an indication that this is not an absolutely pristine, shiny, glossy, unmarred surface. Mm -hmm. if it's got some Mars in it. And then, you know, when I was doing plenary, we all have glued some bugs to our paintings, you know, inadvertently it's like, "Mm, that's there to stay, you know, sorry. Um, But um, so I've always been attracted to that and given thought to how can I incorporate some ideas about that in my work. So my like of these little clean little shapes, Mm -hmm. Um, is part of that so but then what really pushed it ahead was I went to Monhegan Island in 2003 for the first time Mm -hmm. so this was after my my um, thinking of after 9-11 it's like if you're going to do this you really need to to do this because time is ticking away here Mm -hmm. and um, so I went on a workshop with Stan Moeller Mm -hmm. and a couple of friends of mine from from um, the Gostown Bedford area Mm -hmm. and um, I was just flabbergasted and amazed when I get out there. It's like, wow, this is so cool, and these two little fish houses sitting on Fish Beach. That's what solidified and started a whole series of of work for me, so I Mm -hmm. kind of anthropomorphized the two little fish houses as though they were friends, you know, Mm -hmm. supporting each other, sitting there waiting for people to come by and the busy daily workings and and whatnot of that little community. And I just, you know, I've always been, uh, you know, an ocean person, Um, you know, lived in Massachusetts and by the water and vacation on Cape Cod and family things always had to do with going swimming at our little local beach, salt water, tides, minnows, and your bathing suit, the whole thing. And, uh, (laughs) and so I've just followed through with that on my work in my work and uh, focused finally on, on coastal work, uh, because I was a little all over the place because so many things attracted me um, I but I had to settle on something I had to figure out what was it that I really enjoyed doing yeah. and then where I lived what was it that people might be interested in in living with themselves if they were to buy one of my pieces so I I settled into a coastal general coastal theme yeah. and then those fish houses just became now they became you know a, a symbol of so many different things of of shelter and family and relationships and yeah. and it just evolved from there and right. continues to I continue to use that you know that shape inside of and with uh, two other kinds of shapes
0: that I use for enclosing some space so and how do you go about creating one of those is it are you using photo references or are you doing s- from sketches that you've done out in plein air or um, are you kind of creating from your mind?
1: Yeah. Now I have sort of a set of shapes and, um, uh, let's see, uh, an approach to how I like to stylize my, my figures. I try to use as simple a gesture mm-hmm. as possible in the figures and with the figures. Um, I keep the fishermen in the working gear to signal that it's a waterfront coastal kind of character. Um, The woman I've put her in different kinds of um, dresses a lot of times just as that sort of simplified female shape that's instantly recognizable. Um, But I also do other kind of layered garments for her. So she'll have a recent painting of mine. um, She'll have boots on, the rubber work boots that come up to your knees, but she'll have leggings and a skirt and a double layer sweater and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I've given her a lot more variation in her garb than than her fisherman. And um, yeah, I started doing that with the female uh, character way early on. I had gone to a workshop of I nicknamed it Sewing Camp, but I'm sure there was another um, name for it, but over in Vermont with my sister-in-law, who's a a big sewer and um, just a a creative soul. And Ellen invited me to go over and participate, even though everybody there were really coming from a fiber and sewing and fabrics and dyeing your own wool and having your own sheep farm, fiber Mm -hmm. farm, you know, like wow, that's way out of my (laughs) eye, (laughs) but I could do the sewing part. So I I prepared like everybody else and and we went and uh, it was another fascinating experience. So that brought me from a coastal, my little fish houses now to a farm and a barn and a, um, what is it called? Um, She's not a, well, she's a fiber farmer. over there and so now that gave me a slightly different shaped building with sheep and chickens and so now I'm I'm you know working on this series that actually I'm connecting the the coast with the land so I have a farm that's on the edge of the land at the coast and then I have the fisherman that lives on the sea and off the sea kind of thing so I've got that going and on the farmer side, I have blue jean, <laughs> farmer jeans, yes. instead of the orange uh, gear that the fishermen wear and stuff. So that's been a, a fun um, juxtaposition that I'm fooling with right now. It, it'll, you'll see it in some of these village paintings um, that I've nice. created. So integrating the, the farming and the fishing and coastal things with inland. Uh, vignettes and church steeples and house roofs and you know gardens and things like that
0: but I'm, I'm interested in how it actually like comes out on the canvas are you just kind of sketching around um, i do work in a sketchbook camera. i do the sketchbook and design the shapes
1: okay of yeah. what i'd like to do and then i free draw i see uh, i don't trace yeah. anything onto my um canvas. I'll do a uh, charcoal, soft charcoal drawing on a plain white canvas. Sometimes I'll already have put an undercolor on the canvas so I just don't have to look at the white. Um, and then I start with a soft charcoal and I also have a cloth nearby that I can completely wipe the whole thing off. This frequently happens so I'll get started on it and like oh, I'm not really sure about that design so then I just wipe all that away. And it may only take me five minutes to do a the rough, right. um, basic baseline shapes okay. on there, um, a little fixative on it, and then I will put an overpainting, a thin layer of of a, an acrylic uh, color that I choose as an underpainting. A lot of times I'll choose a warm tone or really warm, like a cadmium red, uh, warm. Put that underneath, and then I'll start the uh, the rest of the painting process
0: okay and do the colors just kind of come to you as you're painting
1: yeah exactly i take inspiration from what the color actually is in reality Sure. Uh, i'll try you know like i'm gonna put the orange um grunden uh fisherman gear uh in this cadmium orange it's like how often do you get to use cadmium orange but i accentuated i you know it's been that juxtaposition of any kind of waterfront blues with that orange gear, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they want it to be noticed,
0: yeah, yeah, especially
1: yeah. if they went overboard, or <laughs> you need to see somebody in the, the deep fog and stuff, you're going to kind of see that kind of color popping out. Um, and and that's, I've just really enjoyed playing with intense color. Mm. Um, but also I've been trying lately is to try to back off on that a little bit and bring more of that, that washed out gray, salt washed, weather worn neutral kind of color and let other aspects of my intense color really be uh, play a more singular
0: right. more important role in the design so nice yeah. Yeah. so let's switch topics for a second let's go sure. over workshops so mm-hmm. i think you mentioned you you took one before we got to talking so is that something you've done throughout the years or kind of a one or two things and what do you look for I mean, do you still do it or did you do it for a short time? And what do you look um As presenting workshops or taking workshops? Yeah, let's do taking first. Yeah, taking
1: a workshop. Those experiences have been really um, very important for me. I didn't take too many uh, because I had seen uh, in my experience at work workshops in discussing or just hearing other artists that were there they have taken so many workshops right wow you took all of that and you know I look at their work and go wow that's what have you learned in those workshops you know like I would have expected a lot them to be farther down the road Uh with what they do Um, and that's when it just kind of went off in my head that I think that I need to be really selective and then in between these workshops I really need to apply what I learned at this workshop and I go to the workshop with the intention of really learning something I even if I've done this process you know a hundred times before I'm going to do it the way that this person who's doing the workshop is presenting to me um, because why why do I want to keep going over and over and over something that I've already done I I like the fact that I, and I can feel it in my brain when it happens like oh this person is asking me to do something different and out of my groove and yeah. and stuff like okay I'm feeling it all right all right let's do this and sometimes it comes out really badly <laughs> you know it's like because I haven't worn that groove in my brain um, you know they're asking me to do something differently and uh, and that that happened to me um, on a couple of occasions and uh, it happened to me just a couple of years ago I did a workshop I was lucky enough to win a lottery uh, pick to to go and do a workshop with Colin Page in in uh, Rockland um, Maine and what a great experience and his approach to things is very different from me so I struggled I was just wow this is really hard but by the third or fourth day he goes oh you're finally it's like yes <laughs> I am finally get I get it uh, you know <laughs> so, but it was fun you know and it's fun to force myself to to do things in a different way and I can mm-hmm. feel that I've you know, learning things um, by doing Yeah, I
0: agree. When I take one, I, I take them very, maybe one or two a year, if, mm. if possible, <laughs> right, which right. hasn't been the last few. Right. <laughs> years. Um, so, you know, I just, I think that, like you said, I do it to get out of whatever it is I'm doing. I, I'm just going to go right. do whatever they say, the way they say it, regardless of what I do, you know, in my own right. studio. Right, and I, I do I find it really just opens up your thinking, your mind, mm-hmm. your your everything as uncomfortable as it is at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I never go to a workshop expecting come out to come out with final work. Yeah, you know that's just that's just not it. you know, the sketchy things, the notes, the listening to how someone is trying to describe and, and help you through. Learning what they 'd like for you to you know well what they believe to be important, so that you can uh, move along in your in your art journey right. you know it's all it's all really good, so yeah i've been you know very selective about what I do, and um, it's been for the most part each time has been really helpful hmm. and I keep the notes from it and i 'll review them every now and again, but I get a bit confused with so many sketchbooks that I have i <laughs> where are those notes, you know? <laughs> so I have to figure out, you know, where they are and go back and review them a little bit. So,
0: yeah. And and then you do teach. And so um, what, how has COVID changed all that for you? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I don't do too much in the way I used to teach a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I taught at the Carrier Art Center for a number of years, adult um, education, generally speaking, evening classes, um And um, I found that even for those classes, the preparation for it took a lot of time away from me doing my own art um, and I just felt over time that that wasn't advan- I wasn't personally advancing right. and that was my priority. So as hard as it was, I backed away from that. Mm-hmm. And then I decided um, I could be helpful in a more mentoring kind of a, a role for people oh, nice. if they really wanted to speak to somebody local, you know, with certain kind of experiences. And um, I've had a lot of those and it's just an individual one-on-one We sit down and and talk um, in my studio and go over sort of where they are with their art. What are they really confused about or what seems to be an issue for them? And, you know, in an hour and a half or two and they and they're very appreciative. I mean, all those people out there who have done that with me, they they're just very appreciative and it just helps them in some way, you know, get back on track or or figure out that oh that's probably not a good idea you know mm-hmm. and from experience I can say it's like yeah probably not <laughs> you know <laughs> I did that but now you're done with that so now you get to 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 move along you know so
0: nice yeah I thought on your website I saw I, I could actually be confusing you with someone else it's very positive yeah, <laughs> I thought I saw that there was a workshop postponed or like a one day. Yes.
1: Yes. I was doing a, um, a one day. I was, it was going to be hosted by Carol Douglas up in Rockport Maine. And she's uh, a wonderful person. Met her last year when we did a, um, a schooner trip out of Rockport on the American Eagle. Spectacular, wonderful. Wow. Trip. And she was Doing a little watercolor class on board the schooner, (laughs) and I had commented to her about a year earlier because we were both part of Camden Falls Gallery in Camden, and I said, "Wow, that sounds really great." She goes, "Well, I'm going to think I'm going to offer it again next year, so get on the okay." So it came around, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to go do this." (laughs) So thankful I did because you know now all this craziness has gone on and. And uh, they've had to cancel their entire season this year. The quarters are so tight um, when you do And this was an overnight five-day trip
0: oh, out
1: wow. through and, and around the main islands and, oh. and over to Stonington and stuff. I mean, it was, it was really a very, very interesting trip. And the, the crew was wonderful. The captain was amazing. Um, it was just a, a really wonderful experience for me. Cause I've always thought that when I was a kid, I was going to be a sailor. I got a little boat when I was like twelve and I thought I was all that. And then
0: <laughs>
1: but life interferes, you know, just when you think you're gonna go and live the sailing life and like, no, nope, that's not gonna happen. You're gonna make choices that are like a ah, little questionable and then <laughs> stuff happens. So <sighs> But, uh, but yeah, so that was a really wonderful trip. So in meeting Carol Douglas, um, mm-hmm. I said offhandedly, you know, like, well, maybe I could do a workshop and, you know, in your space up here. She goes, oh, that's interesting. And so that was the plan for June, this past June. And uh, I was going to do a, a bit of a workshop, which I call um, Dis- um, Uncovering Your Mark.
0: Yeah, so that's what it was.
1: That's yeah, so it's going to be a unique workshop um, that I was going to present and try to get each individual person to assess their own interest areas and through a a process that I've developed and tried out on a couple of occasions and, um, you know, see if I could help them stay on a path that's more authentic to them. Uh, We all get wrapped up in uh, subject matter approaches, mediums uh, that really may not be authentic to the individual artist, so i was trying to dig a little deeper and help people do that and um, so that was cancelled and then um, now it's going to be um i've got a bunch of uh, those same folks who were going to come and do it in september this past september but again it still wasn't an ideal situation and now we're doing it as a zoom class so and because this What I'm asking these folks to do does not involve learning a new medium, touching, feeling papers, using new tools, that kind of thing. It's a much more thoughtful um, process, and I think it could work as a Zoom. So um, all of them, virtually all, you know, 10 or so people are going to be my volunteer guinea pigs of uh, Zoom uh, to host
0: a Zoom and do that. is that that workshop full yes yes and i
1: wanted to limit the number as well so that each person could hear the conversation about the other person's thoughts and then maybe integrate it into how they are also thinking so we're going to give it a shot i i don't think a two-hour session is going to work for this workshop approach but i do need to start somewhere so that's so that's what we're going to do in right. early yeah. December.
0: So oh, good. Well, I'll yeah. look forward to seeing if you continue that again. That would be something I'd love to do. Good. Oh, so I hope it works out, and I hope that continues. Um, yeah. So you have done some plein air. I always like to hear some everybody's mm. funniest plein air story if you have one. <laughs> I just have I just
1: have one, and uh, there's probably plenty of things if I really thought super hard about it but this one came to mind where i'm i'm on um we're in monhegan and i'm standing on one of the little beaches and i'm i'm painting away and my friend um she comes over to see what i'm doing so but before she comes over she she scuffs the ground and then i looked down and i looked at her and i said you just kicked my still life she's like what and I had I had positioned a little empty lobster shell. It was like a lobster tail, but the light was coming back through it, and it was just like glowing. And, I, and that was my what I was working on. It. She just was mortified, and so well, I I've forgiven her a long time ago. Adrian. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so that was just a really funny thing. And she just she had no idea. You know, everyone's doing. You know obviously you're on Mon and you have these beautiful nice. settings and the buildings and the little <laughs> boom, and she kicks my
0: my still life I'm like okay <laughs> oh Just my! almost finished <laughs> oh gosh. that's great yeah so, um and marketing you do a really great job on instagram you do some little IGTV things there little yeah. videos
1: Yeah, I was trying to do a little bit more as I discover a little bit about Instagram. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I've got to do this perfectly and that kind of thing. But I realized, um, because over the last couple of years, I've been doing some little videos in my studio, just showing people like stages of work and you know some of the materials i use that kind of thing and that always generates a good amount of interest so now the igtv is just a different approach to doing that but i i do like um, instagram i like the simplicity of it like once you kind of know uh the ins and outs of it it's not too complicated so um, right. I still need little notes and go, okay, now click this one first. Don't go try you know, don't try to do it this way. Make sure you like, okay. I'll try to get the order down and
0: Right. And, and where do you go to learn that stuff? Just online. online.
1: And Instagram itself has a lot of educational tools. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, doing a program online called Art to Life. Have you heard of that at it all? That does
0: sound familiar.
1: Yeah, so Art the Number Two Life. Yep. And it's a program that's hosted and created by Nicholas Wilton, okay. who's an artist out of California. Okay. And he too had a background intensely in graphic design. And uh, the marketing and advertising world, and as an illustrator in particular for him. And then, you know, life situations happen and this and that, and he also loves teaching. So he has created this program that is focused more in the abstract um, design world, but it's um, all of the tenets and the foundational art. Uh, foundations of art elements he teaches through all of those so it's if you've had no foundation of art program but you want to get into exploring your artistic self and in your chosen medium this program is really rather amazing so he's really consolidated it uh, down and they also have a social media uh, educational uh let's see not workshops but some videos and whatnot that are very helpful and they have a host a very specific person who's now part of that program and they help you with um social media and instagram in particular oh,
0: wonderful so,
1: yeah so they really I'm are,
0: sure uh, i've heard it really. but i have yeah i just didn't explore you know enough but that's yeah and
1: i really uh, i really like his work with ex- Extremely different with with what we do and how we do, but um, it's really exciting, and, and it's something that I've wanted my work to go and move toward um, is a more abstract kind of approach. So I'm not sure how how. Far down that road, I'm going to be able to go just because it's my nature to, to have something in there that you can connect to. <laughs> and uh, so we'll see. We'll see what nice. happens with that. So That's and work a little bit larger than I do work too, oh, which yeah. would be um, a, a bit different. I've just it's finished a couple yeah, of paintings. Yeah. yeah. I just finished a couple of paintings for my Portland art show, which is coming up next Um, opens next Thursday and those are 40 by 60s. Yeah. And that was a bit of an undertaking um, for me to complete work quite that large. I had a couple of canvases that already had a painting on them. Yeah. And they didn't really go anywhere. They they hung around for about a year or so in my studio space. They went to a gallery, came back and and I thought, you know what, those might be really perfect underpaintings for me to do a different, okay. um, much larger in my Village series. Yeah. So one of those is now the Village, um, I call it Village in the Pursuit of Happiness, oh. and that one has mostly a coastal uh, feel to it, instead of all of it being inland, but there are some inland notes, you know, once you look at it you'll see that it is um, kind of a, a blend of both so
0: so you said you're doing um, a zoom opening on that next Thursday
1: yeah next Thursday is a virtual opening it's not actually a zoom not zoom
0: okay I'm sorry so virtual yeah yeah
1: it's a hosted by the gallery
0: okay
1: and I will do I will be doing um, a little presentation about my work mm-hmm. um, I've written it out because it's very hard to, for me to just off the cuff speak about my work like that. And it's gonna be filmed and then it'll be on the virtual opening on October 1st. So usually there are three artists profiled as the feature artists for that month. And, um, and then you get a walk through the gallery and you'll see all the work um, that I presented for this
0: show. Um, so would people go yeah. to the Portland Art Gallery website to, yes. to find out more information? Okay. Correct. Yep. And to Great. sign up to um,
1: get the link to go and see the virtual opening. I see. And I yeah. believe you might I'm, have to sign up as a follower, as an email.
0: I see. Uh, I think so. Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah, I'm doing a similar thing the next night on Friday. I have an opening, mm. and I'm doing a Zoom with a little bit of recorded and stuff. It, trying to make it, you know, a lot of people don't want to come out, so trying to
1: yeah, do yeah, it that way. Yeah, and then
0: the so. Gallery, you have the um, November sixth, and then through that month, yes, show there.
1: Yep, Kennedy Gallery has been a a, a really great um, source for me. They've They really like my work. So of course that's helpful. Um, I do that coastal theme. I, you know, I love Portsmouth. It's just a sweet community and the history and, and um, you know, it's the accessibility of all the interesting waterfront, you know, things. And then just the view over to Kittery uh, just, just really great. So um, yeah. And Kennedy started carrying my work and then, Because of them, I started making cards uh, of my works. They have a whole line of of, uh, blank greeting cards of mine. I started making prints of some of my sold paintings, and they carry a whole line of those there now. Mm -hmm. And um, by the end of, um, let's see, by the end of this month, I should have my calendar ready, a first one uh, for me. And that one's should be uh, ready to go and for sale at Kennedy by uh, right during the first week, I think, of October. So,
0: so yeah, get that opening. Uh, on the stage? yes,
1: I. W- will be there they're, they're doing the in-person art around town
0: in yeah. Portsmouth
1: so it's a limited capacity yeah. um you know like all the other uh, spaces have to maneuver through so yeah to get there. <laughs> great great it's a fun uh, it's a fun evening there's so many places in Portsmouth for people to go and yeah. view art
0: oh it's, a, it's really it's wonderful. Been, been so different with COVID but boy before it was just Right, sort of last, but right.
1: Um, maybe next year we'll be back uh, something a little closer to a, a normal opening. So. Yeah, I think so. And so
0: um, what other galleries can people find your work
1: in? You can find my work at Camden Falls Gallery in Camden, Maine. My work is at, well, the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Kennedy in Portsmouth, Art Three Gallery in Manchester. Powers Gallery in Acton, Massachusetts, and uh, Gallery Antonia in Chatham, Mass.
0: Okay, great. And give us your best advice to painters, a little snippet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My best advice, um, let's see, is to focus on your work. Um, There are so many distractions to pull you away from actually either sitting or standing or however you do your work, just do your work. And a lot of those other things will, will fall into place. But if you have no work to show, if you're not doing your job, um, and that's kind of brought me a lot of focus is that even though I have a lot of things on my plate, sometimes I still have to go and do my job. And if I don't do my job, nothing and none of this matters. So that's what
0: I've... I forgot to ask you what success is to you, so let's touch that. Oh, boy. I (laughs) think
1: you might have asked that on here. Um, Yeah, I think what defines success for me is when I get these amazing little notes back from people who have purchased one of my paintings. It is incredible how they talk about how this, this relationship in particular pieces have touched them or how it, how it reminds them of something or someone or a situation in their life that they were able to maneuver through. Um, I mean, it's, it's so touching. It, it, it makes you cry sometimes and that is you know, a, a recognition that I've I've put something together that touched someone so deeply like that. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's success to me.
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So we will look forward to your two upcoming shows. Thank and, you. Um, I'm determined to get in there and meet you. This <laughs> <opening>. <laughs> That would be nice. And make
1: sure you say hello. (laughs) I sure will.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for being on.
1: All right. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking. Bye-bye.
0: If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on ArtistsOfNewEngland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.